Alright. Okay. Alright. We got all the giggles out. Unique right? unique New I York. Ah, uh, the human torch bank loan. Oh, no, <laughs> you just Brown. said like three words out of that. <laughs> just I'm so tired. Cal Brown. I Cal got up Brown. and ran. <laughs> really so we tired. have to start. The quick brown fox right. jumped over the lazy dog. <laughs> okay. Please. <laughs> love of I, I know. I've got you hostage. This Wait, is great. Is this the bit? No. Are you torturing us to death? <laughs> no, I have an actual bit. Okay, well, please, for the love of God. Okay, well, you guys have to be quiet for long enough for me to start. Pause for it. <laughs> I'm gonna get some water. You? I'm gonna pee. You know how hot it is in this house right now? (laughs) Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three incredibly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name is Kenan Smith. I'm Michael Pace. And I'm Sean Crossan. It's very nice to meet you guys. (laughs) Nice to meet you too. Sean, what do we do on this podcast? Uh, What we do is we pick a movie, we watch it, we write the science, and then we tell you about the movie, I guess. It's everything, right? Do we talk about the science at all? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. I haven't been here for one of these yet, so I was... (laughs) Oh, okay, so, sorry, let me, for Kevin. Yeah. We're going to watch a movie that has some sort of... We were going to watch a movie. Okay, I mean, we we already watched the movie, but, I mean, just for the plot. What movie did we watch? This time, yeah. we watched The Day After Tomorrow. Oh, you know, that's like what that was. Five minutes ago, yeah. Dennis Quaid. Kenan, what's the movie yeah. The Day After Tomorrow about? Uh, weather? That's an accurate statement. 100% it's a movie about climate accurate. change, and I think you're going to talk to us about climate change. I'm right? going to talk a, quite a bit about climate change. Do we have any, uh, have any disclaimers that we want to we wanna spout out before we get started on this? As scientists, you know, we're very, um, we're very curious and critical beings. So uh, what, me, what we say might be considered a little bit harsh at times, but, you know, it's part of who we are. Um, there also might be some light cursing, as we are three disgruntled graduate students, and mm-hmm. we curse sometimes uh, because we get angry. And uh, also, this show is not necessarily for kids, unless your kids can hang. Nice. Shit, Yeah. This mm-hmm. also is an evening recording, I should say. So, I mean, I think our cursing filter is probably a little sort of uh, it's a little loosey goosey. And if we're being honest here, all three of us I can see are drinking tall glasses of water. Yep, nice tall glass of water. It's important to stay hydrated. <laughs> Good lord, especially got to keep our vocal cords lubricated. So, before we get started, though, I do want to talk about a couple things. This is our third episode fourth fourth episode well i don't know if we're gonna including junior including it'll be a special edition yeah right (laughs) so we gotta talk about budget cuts right oh god as everyone is listening knows uh about the time they're recording this podcast this is right after hurricane irma right Uh, yeah yeah Yeah. so uh which we all lived through we did it was great Mm -hmm. gainesville actually didn't get the brunt of or the the worst of it we're all good so because of all the money that the podcast is directed to fema we're gonna have to let someone go. Oh, yeah. that's really that's really unfortunate for either for probably you, Kenan. Well, I don't. So okay, that's pretty rude. I, you know what? Tell you what, I think yeah. we should put this to a vote. I, I, it's, I'm gonna give you guys sheets of paper. Here you go. Here's thanks. One for you. Okay, thanks. 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 Sean, crinkle, crinkle. Yep. Yes, thank you for yep. that. That's paper. good paper noise. Yep, <laughs> crinkle, crinkle. All right, and I want you guys to write down a name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Write down your vote. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> and then put it into this hat. Okay. Alright, this hat I have. And then we're gonna Okay, I'm gonna write my dog. Okay. Alright. Should I put it in your hat? Yeah, please. Okay. Here. There you go. You, yep. Yep. Sure. Here you go. Sweet. Alright, I'm gonna read these names out. Okay. First one's for Kenan. Alright, that's mm-hmm. this is kind of my idea, but I'm not sure who that was. This one's for Kenan. Mm. Great. This one's also for Kenan. Alright. Hey! <laughs> so you go. So Yep. Hey, there he goes. He's gone. Right, there he... I'll see you guys later. All right. All right, bye. Bye, Ken. Sean, I can't. Yep, you just... Yep. Okay, bye. Have a good time. Thanks. Thanks, Ken. Dude, right. thank God. Go, go lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> now we can finally record... Oh, oh, wait. Yeah? Kenan? Can I come back? Um, What do you have to bring to the podcast? Kenan, you I can... put some of my own money in. Kenan, you can come back, but we absolutely can't afford to pay you. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> okay. And, oh, and... Yeah? I need you to do all my lab experiments. No way. They never work. I'm not doing them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. All right, that's fine. 
All right. It's great to have you back, man. I don't feel good. Like, I feel... I don't know. I feel betrayed somehow. I mean, you're the one who wanted to fire someone. By all three of us. Yeah. Yeah, you voted, you voted for, for yourself. yourself. I know. I don't even know that happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just reviewed yourself, and it was not good. Pretty negatively. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it said needs improvement at the bottom of it. Mm, it says does not take direction well, needs improvement. No, it doesn't work well with others. Um, you know what the crazy thing is? You wrote that. Yeah, I know. I wrote my name. Do you guys want to talk about the film? I do want to talk about the film. So we watched uh, the movie uh, The Day After Tomorrow, uh, starring Dennis Quaid. I'm going to do this off the dome again, Sean, so buckle up. Okay. Dennis Quaid, Jake Gyllenhaal. Baby Jake Gyllenhaal. Baby Jake Gyllenhaal. 2004 Jake Gyllenhaal? Accurate. Uh, Emma Russum? Emmy Russum? Is that her name? Yep. Nice. Sure. Uh, R.J. Smith. I God, don't that's... see an R.J. Smith, Smith on there. Yep, he plays the nerd. Who that's the most radio. generic name I've ever heard. His oh, name is spelled out. He's just not on the, the initial cast list. Pretty rude. He probably didn't have top billing. Um, Ian Holm is in it. Our good friend Bilbo Baggins. Yes. Uh, and I'm all out of steam. I can't remember anybody else. There is no one named R.J. Smith in this movie. There Kevin. totally is. It was R. And I know his first name's R.J. Oh wait. You're Do you right. mean Reginald? No, you're right. It's spelled A R J A Y. Boom. And I thought you were Kevin saying R J. Audience, you can't Smith. see it, but I'm dabbing. It's oh like over God. and over again. <laughs> they're, gonna, they're gonna love this. Now I'm gonna flip this glass of water. What? Oh my God. <laughs> All right, perfect. So, yeah, so we watched The Day After Tomorrow, um, a movie about uh, climate change, which uh, Pace will get a little bit more into as we move along. Yeah, so in the movie, uh, Dennis Quaid is a climatologist, which uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is not excited about until the very end of the movie. Um, He basically, he and Ian Holm predict that uh, climate change is occurring much, much more quickly than anybody thought it was going to. In fact, I think it occurs within about a week. Or maybe eight days. It's pretty in the context fast. of this movie. Yep, it's like uh, eight hours in the context of this movie. The movie felt like eight hours. So yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> uh, basically, a ch- an ice chunk off the su- uh, about the size of Rhode Island falls off of the edge of Antarctica, uh, enters the water, uh, and then changes a couple things, which we'll talk about, which then cause a massive climate change over the course of about a week to two weeks. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and his quiz bowl buddies get stuck in New York. And for whatever reason, Dennis Quaid takes it upon himself to go after them. Uh, because he's his son. Because he's his son, and they didn't <laughs> spend enough time together. Through a modern ice age. Yep, through a modern ice age, uh, which uh, we get at the very end of the movie, we get a very nice like speech from the vice president, now become the president, about how uh, countries did. that we once considered were third world have brought us in. <laughs> we didn't listen. We didn't listen. Including Mexico, which is really just... Not third world. Not true. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was kind of rude to call Mexico a third world country yeah. in 2004, but yes. whatever. Yes. That's fine. Cool. So it, Pace... It oh, wouldn't sorry. be the first inaccurate thing in the movie. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> so, Pace, what are we going to talk about? Uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say we're going to talk a lot about climate change, but I think we're going to specifically delve into some of the specific uh, client change phenomena that they draw from to kind of catalyze where the... Uh, where the plot goes in this film. But I think we'll also just talk about some of the general um, aspects of climate change that we think people should, should know about. Sure. So, And as usual, we'll try and like stay on topic for the movie. Um, and then Pace mentioned at one point that we'll be picking apart some of the minutiae, just kind of that's because of what we're trying to do. But, you know, a lot of the critiques that we'll come up with uh, don't really have any bearing on whether or not we think the movie was all that great even though we're pretty biased, uh, but we think it's an interesting talking point, especially since uh, the world appears to be ending around us as we speak. So, mm. Indeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So should we just start, I guess, chronologically, just like sort of go through opening scene and... Sure. And then just talk about the implications? We could. I, I want to... First, what I want to do, if we can, if we can uh, cut to our chief meteorologist uh, in the field... Uh, it would be uh, nice to get to get a, a weather update. Right. So uh, so we're coming to you live now f- off the coast of Florida. <laughs> but we've got Michael Michael C. Pace, our chief meteorologist, out in the field. Uh, how's how's the weather out there, Michael? What's uh, what's it like? I got to tell you guys, it's balmy. It's balmy. It's really balmy. <laughs> it's a balmy seventy seven degrees here in Gainesville, Florida, uh, with seventy seven percent humidity and wind east southeast at three miles per hour. Going how fast? 77 miles an hour? I said, I said, three, I said, three, I said three miles per hour! 300 miles per hour, I got it. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's dangerous out there, folks. 
Can you tell us first, just so the audience can know, what's the difference between climate and weather? Since we're going to be talking about climate change. That's a uh, that's actually a really great question. Not one that people think about a lot. Uh, I think that the simplest way to explain it would be uh, by the degree of predictability. So climate is something that is incredibly predictable. Okay, uh, it is kind of the statistical aggregation of weather. Okay. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, I could tell you ten years from now what the average temperature is probably going to be on September 20th in 2027, I guess, based upon the history of, in this case, the climate. The weather is what happens on the day-to-day basis and mm-hmm. how things change, uh, which, and that's what people talk about as being unpredictable. Weather is unpredictable. Climate is not unpredictable, or rather, climate is predictable. So I'm not, this is actually an, an actual question I have, not just feeding you questions, but you're saying that a lot of the information that we have for what we think that the climate will be like in the future is coming from previous data, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I think that even relates to when we talk about, you know, gigantic, terrifying storms like hurricanes, you know. Right. Uh, right now, current climate models and climate summaries basically say how often huge hurricanes occur like right. like you know superstorm sandy superstorm sandy my apologies superstorm superstorm yeah. um you know like a storm like that is only supposed to happen like what like once every 500 years mm-hmm. um but now um because the climate is becoming less predictable they're a little more sporadic mm-hmm. and happening when they wouldn't normally be predicted to occur okay so that makes sense yeah so yeah, this movie starts out with this sort of major event, the uh, the breaking off of, what is it, the Larson B ice shelf in Antarctica, where Dennis Quaid, sounds about right. Ron Perlman, and a scared postdoc, it's not Ron Perlman, but it looks like him, He's terrified. are all drilling at an ice shelf. Um, this thing cracks, they lose their equipment, Dennis Quaid, like a true scientist, leaps across this giant chasm to grab his ice cores because he doesn't want to lose his data. You gotta save the data, man. It's so good. Uh, this thing breaks off what's in the ocean and then we have this cascade for the rest of the movie. And this is actually based on an event that occurred in 2002 or began occurring in 2002 where the Larson Shelf B began to melt, fall apart, and disintegrate, right? Which is actually happening. Not in the film, it's happening in real life. Which yeah. is happening. And, and actually now Larson Shelf C has begun to crack and the crack has actually widened this year. I think in May, like May 25th or May 31st or something like that, so... So as a, as a brief aside, yeah, just a brief aside, Dennis Quaid jumps over this uh, ever-growing chasm yep. in the glacier in order to save some of his data. Yep. I think it's really interesting how the movies always portray the scientists as like, I have to save my data, which like, if you worked on something for years, I totally get. Yep. They just drilled that ice out. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they just, just drilled it. it out. They just got it. Like, yeah. I, I mean, if I collected a sample and... I dropped it. I would just go get another one. I can tell or, you or just... how many times I'm doing research and something happens like, oh, I'm not thinking because I'm working very yeah. quickly or oh, something like that. Oh, it's late at night and I'm it's late at tired. Night and I yeah. pour a week's worth of work down a sink. Yeah. I'm not going to like jump over a forming chasm in order right. to get that back. You I, know what I mean? I like, mean, while I appreciate the drama, I'm just, it's just interesting that that seems to be a common theme where like scientists will just do anything for their work. Mm-hmm. Like... But in this case, they're just getting ice cores. Right, I know. Do you know how? Do you see how big the ice sheet they were standing on? Yeah, it was like moving over a little bit. Yeah. It's not like there's a lack of abundance of these of this ice. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I'm for the so- purposes of the movie, it at least tells us that De- one Dennis Quaid's awesome. Two, he's devoted to his craft. Yes. Yeah. Not trying to derail us, but I just I feel like this is going to be a common theme in the movies. It, we it will be. Yeah, that's true. Um, Sweet. So basically, after this forms. Uh, we go through this uh, bit where Dennis Quaid is, uh, he goes in front of, I believe, the UN and starts talking to them about uh, climate change and about how this occurring is massive. And he mentions that, you know, within the next hundred to a thousand, ten thousand years, something could happen uh, that will cause a massive shift in climate on the face of the earth. So, correct. Um, how accurate do you think that statement is, in lieu of. The fact that Larson Shelf B has disintegrated at this point in the movie, how accurate do you think that statement would be applying to real life? So I'm not sure a whole lot about Larson Shelf B. Uh-huh. Um, what I can tell you is that his description of the uh, the climatological effects 
of you know a lot of these um he, he not he not just talks about that particular ice shelf he also just talks about global warming in general yeah, yeah. right and the effects that he's talking about in regards to the global warming the melting of what's now believed to be the arctic ice sheets um going into the northern atlantic is supposed to be able to cause pretty dramatic changes in climate um yeah. and so he's 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 not lying about that that's that's pretty established and it's happened in in, in history so you actually bring up a good point, and you brought this up during the movie too, that they're doing this drilling and the event happens in Antarctica, but the event that the movie is effectively, obviously embellishing, but describing uh, is something that is triggered by ice melting in the Arctic? Correct. It's supposed to be a, an effect specific to the Northern Hemisphere. Gotcha. Cool. Yes. So that's a, just a real great plot hole just from scene one of the movie. Unfor- <laughs> unfortunately, and it, you know, it's actually not even something that I thought about until we until we really started breaking it down today. But yeah, it is weird because uh, I can I can kind of touch on it already a little bit. They 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 basically uh, over exaggerate an effect called the younger dry ass hypothesis. Um, and Sorry, can you say it one more time? Younger dry ace. Okay. Younger dry ass. <laughs> I didn't know that. Younger dry ass. <laughs> I didn't look at the pronunciation before I said it. Um, the younger dry ass hypothesis, hmm. and this is a completely specific effect to the northern hemisphere. It should not interact really with the with the Antarctic ice sheets at all. Right. So, again, that's a little strange. But but that being said, the effect that he's describing has happened in history. Dramatic climate shifts have happened whenever you have right. the 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 very very quick melting of ice in the Arctic Ocean. Sure, and even even at times like I mean, granted, the movie obviously knows the liberty that it's liberties that it's taking with this. Like, it does, and, and which is fine because otherwise it wouldn't be a very good disaster movie if all the stuff didn't happen. Right. True. If, if if the movie took place over the course of a thousand years, it would have been. A very different movie. It would have been Cloud Atlas, I guess. Um, <laughs> but then there are a couple times in the movie where... So Dennis Quaid, he mentions that, uh, oh, this could take place over a period of 100 years to 1,000 years. When we get this scene, which happens very shortly after Dennis Quaid's speech to the UN, we get the scene where Ian Holm and the rest of his crew are in, I believe, Britain, somewhere in Britain. Scotland, Scotland, Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and they're monitoring uh, sea temperatures, mo- monitoring temperatures all over the world yes. using buoys. Uh, one of them goes, oh, one of them just dropped by 13 degrees, t- dropped in temperature by 13 degrees. They immediately brush it off and they're like, oh, it's just choppy out there. It's right. probably failing. Yeah, yeah, because that's really fast. Yeah, yeah, it's real quick. Temperature drop. Absolutely. <laughs> so. yeah. And, and it's not probably until... referring to Celsius, not Fahrenheit, guys. Yeah, so it's a little more. The, so the... the funny thing is <laughs> we assumed that it was Celsius and then every time they were reporting stuff, they kept perfor- reporting it in Fahrenheit. Do you, so do you know why? Because, because the movie was made in hot. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's just like a, again, this is a really nitpicky thing, but there's a very pointed time in the movie where all of us like looked at each other, and Ian Holmes talking to Dennis Quaid, and he goes, uh, "What does he say? It's you know, oh, the temperatures will drop to negative 150 degrees Fahrenheit." Which they're both scientists, so they'd be using Celsius. Yeah, <laughs> no, matter, no matter where you live, yeah, no especially where you are. And the guy is in Scotland, and he's in Scotland. So he like, would have said Celsius. And then Dennis Quaid would have gone, I understand, or he would have gone, sorry, or, I don't, what is that in Fahrenheit? Or he would have gone, yeah, that sounds pretty cold. Yeah, that sounds like, pretty cold, <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's, oh, it's going to be a negative 100. Yeah, it doesn't matter what temperature you're doing, do, like, that's cold. That's really yeah, cold. That's very yeah, cold. Like, yeah, <laughs> things will freeze. Yeah, so, so basically one of these buoys malfunctions, right? Or they think it malfunctions. And um, this is sort of the starting point of the global catastrophe, or I guess yeah. the northern hemisphere catastrophe start that starts setting in. Yeah, and it becomes increasingly vague how these events are leading to chain reactions of other events. Yes. But you just see a lot of basically super extreme weather. First, thing, The first extreme weather that they see that is like shown in the movie is you have the temperature drop in the ocean and one buoy that they're recording, and then they cut over to a, somewhere in Asia, I believe it's China. Somewhere in East know. Asia. Yeah, somewhere in East Asia. Um, and there's just a guy talking on a cell phone, and then all of a sudden, a, I don't know, Giant softball-sized chunk of hail just fl- falls out of the sky and, like, hits a guy <laughs> in the face, Yeah, and then it just starts hailing everywhere. It, you get this great moment in the movie where the guy on the phone is like, He's talking, and a hailstone hits the windshield that's in front of him, and everyone around him is just like, what is that? And they all lean in, a police officer yells at him, and he gets hit in the dome. Yeah. And falls over. <laughs> yeah. So it just, it, 
but the thing is, it's not just hailing. It looks like someone just got a bucket of rocks and it's just dumping them right. on top of everybody. People, they're like <laughs> signs falling, windows yeah. are shattering. Yeah. So there's pretty big hail, which I don't know how. I mean, I know how hail is formed to some extent. Like it's condensing water, freezing in the air, and then falling out of the sky when it gets too heavy. Right. But that's really big hail. I, I, I'm not a climatologist. I don't really know to comment on the size, but it looks a little excessive. It seems like strangely large hail to suddenly just be happening. Yeah. I would think that you would get smaller hailstones, and they'd be like, it's hailing, this is weird, and then they would get larger and larger and larger. And then, right. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, that that's sort of how this whole thing starts it's it's pretty absurd the well first off that size of hail absolutely is absurd i i see no premise for yeah for that type of of, of weather event right hell um, no but <laughs> wow that was really I, good i love your dad joke <laughs> dad joke um <laughs> but actually i i would be glad to explain to you what actually is the supposed source for how this or actually how this has happened in the past uh these yeah. these dramatic drops in in the sea temperatures i don't know if 13 degrees is realistic that sounds insane too, um it is but uh, so basically as as you have you know all this ice melting um, from the arctic ice caps caused by global warming mm-hmm. um that's basically going to lead to a decline in the strength of this current in the ocean that basically runs along all of the northern hemisphere continents and basically warms them. And so as that slows down, the ocean water temperatures are going to decrease because normally that current brings warm water from the equator up towards northern continents. Mm-hmm. And so that stops. And whenever that stops, the that's going to lead to overall cooling across the northern hemisphere. But of course, it wouldn't have happened at such a dramatic rate as we observe in the film. Yeah. And so what, like, what time scale would this theoretically happen in? Well, first off, it's not, it's not even theoretical because it actually, as I said, it has happened oh, before, yeah. right? So you, you would expect the change to, to take place, you know, over, over decades, right. if not longer. Which, but actually, decades in the, in the scope of climate science and history of the Earth right, that's is incredibly fast, right, right. right? You have an Earth that's billions of years old. Uh, change, that fast of change over decades is pretty dramatic. Right. Um, nonetheless, it wouldn't have happened in a week. Yeah, or like a day or however <laughs> fast this, this happens. Oh, yeah. No, within a day and like just to sort of get back into the movie, with within a day to two days or, you know, this very, 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 very short time scale, we get uh, hail falling in East Asia. We get giant hurricanes rolling in not only off the uh, eastern coast of the United States, but also the western coast of the United States. There's a scene where uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and the Quiz Bowl crew are flying directly into a forming hurricane, which is forming at, at unimaginable speeds. Yeah, right, you just see right the clouds just, go, just like condensing, yes, the water yes. vapor just condensing in the air. There's, uh, it's crazy. There's so many times where in this movie where people who are supposed to be monitoring weather either clearly aren't or definitely aren't. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes, <laughs> like at, at the at the climate centers or whatever, yeah. they're always just like having sex in a back room while the weather's yes, changing. Yes, that was happening. Oh, I forgot about all the twisters too. Oh yeah, so like, uh, so in Los they, Angeles. Yeah, so they basically have all these crazy, like super intense weather events that are happening in locations that they wouldn't normally happen in. So right, like exactly. all of a sudden in Los Angeles, a guy like wakes up or comes out of a back room where he's like having sex with a secretary yep. and like sees that oh my god we have to issue a tornado warning and they he says we, out, have, we should issue a hurricane warning yeah it's insane and then yeah. they, they look out the window and there's just like 10 tornadoes yep. in the middle of Los Angeles just destroying buildings and yep. these tornadoes are big tornadoes <laughs> that was a great scene too because the way chronologically the way it went is that you had a weather reporter that was out on the beach and he was like just great waves out here on Santa Monica Beach, Jack. Looking great today. He's like a <laughs> surfer behind him doing some tricks. And then it cuts back to this guy who's with his secretary. And the phone rings. He walks out. He answers it. And it's the same reporter. And he's hiding under a lifeguard dock because there's more hail falling on them. And he's yeah. like, yes. hey, the weather's crazy. And he pulls up a, the guy who's back at the, uh, the weather center, pulls up a radar map and is like, that looks like a hurricane. We should issue a hurricane warning. <laughs> this is so insane. They go from like... Good weather 
to hail to crazy tornadoes in about like 10 minutes it's ridiculous like it's, it's unreal you, you can't have those, those multiple tornado instances like that though where they're that that close together um it's rare but it does happen especially in so. los angeles <laughs> definitely like, not in los yeah, angeles right, like, more like kansas yeah so there's a lot of extreme weather events and then i guess you know there's always the, there's the subplot where like you know People are in different locations. Yep. They're all trying to get to each other. Yep. They're like, what's happening? It's, uh, I believe Jake Gyllenhaal is in New York, and it just starts raining insane amounts. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of flooding. And Dennis Quaid is in D.C., like, briefing the vice president on what's going on, who does not like him. So yep. he, he thinks he's being sensationalist and doesn't yeah. want to listen to all of his comments. Earlier, um, Dennis Quaid, when he was addressing the U.N., he was, but one, we made a comment on how unrealistic it was that a lot of people were actually listening to him about climate change uh and the vice president says something about him and dennis quaid shoots him down and then it just starts this you know poor relationship for the rest of the movie yeah yeah i believe he says something like this is sensationalism and he says well i'd call a chunk of ice the size of rhode island breaking off pretty sensational yeah (laughs) i think the vice president says something on the along the lines of well, the economy is just as fragile as the ecosystem or something just, like that. At that, point, <laughs> at that point in time, if you're actually talking about the significance of both the economy and the entire stability of humankind on Earth... The planet. What are you going to prioritize more, you yeah. jackass? Yeah. You know? Right. Like, it doesn't make much sense to me. That's um, okay. He makes he makes for a good heal for the movie. Sure. Sure. But, but uh, before we move into the actual, like, like storm mm-hmm. itself, uh, I also want to point out that it could have also been entirely possible that the the small effects that they that they see here by this by this young younger Dryas is just is just that it kind of counteracts the global warming a little bit. Oh, really? And like that's it. Like it actually helps, and then it just kind of like it actually tempers the effects of the global warming. So it could that also could have been an entirely feasible possibility. Oh, okay. So, so not just random tornadoes in Los Angeles, and not ice ages either. <laughs> not ice ages. So yeah. yeah, worth mentioning. Right. Interesting. So you need a very specific set of circumstances in order to bring about a second ice age. Every climate, every climate event is different, and the, the precedent for this is almost not is, is not existent. Right. Well, and I guess like the writers of this movie are coming from a place of what's a major catastrophic sounding event that happened at one point in history, and where can we draw that from? And they they are grasping for any thread of plausibility, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. because they don't need to convince people of the well, science. They just global warming is a big hook, dude. It's the yeah. early two thousands. So mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, it's a big thing. That's true. I think that the the the, fo- the major fallback, which we'll probably keep getting to in this film, is just the pace at which everything happens. Mm-hmm. Like, the pace that like everything happens. Yeah, you know, it's it's a great it's a great pace to be at. And what a great pace to be! In. What a great pace to be in. Uh, th- this <laughs> your dad jokes are getting out of control. <laughs> Seriously, I'm just, just be quiet saying from his now last the... name. <laughs> hey, I'm in a safe pace. God, oh, kill me! Come to this, come to this pace with me. Can you just, just come and play in the yeah, play, in the play in the pace with me. You're really ruining the pace of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Pace, pace, please. Um, Tell me what you were saying about the storm. Well, no, I mean, let's, but let's, let's talk about the storm, though. Okay, let's, yeah. Let's move so, into the storm. That's the next big thing that happens. Right. right? You know, you have the, the buildup, and then you have the actual storm itself, which I think one of the most dramatic things for me when I'm watching it is the increased sea levels, a huge part, right? Yeah. And simultaneously, three gigantic blizzard snowicanes. Oh, yeah. There's, there's one scene in the movie where, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, where... Uh, Dennis Quaid, he turns around, like turns around a computer and is like, "Here are the predictions for the next seventy-two hours," and just keeps hitting refresh over and over again. And the hurricanes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until they cover the entire planet. Yeah, and there's also this concept that these. So basically, after all the crazy weather events, right? Yeah. The main thing is like there's a this huge storm that looks like a hurricane Giant. in the northern hemisphere that is cooling everything it's like snowing mm-hmm. and it's cooling everything by some weird mechanism that's not actually true but we'll go into that in a minute um but there's these big hurricanes in the north right basically the concept of these like hurricane rotational storms in the north like over canada and stuff mm-hmm. Just like doesn't really make any sense why they would form in any way because yeah, like no. a, a, a tropical storm is a tropical storm forms because of all of the heat, right? Is all the energy coming off yeah, the yeah, no, warm I mean, waters and stuff? And if you're cutting off the warm waters, 
and cooling everything, you're not going to have a northern cold hurricane. It's like the craziest right. thing I've ever seen. Exactly. Like, you don't have the types of you also don't have to have the types of wind currents right. on, yeah, the wind currents on land are, that yeah. you have over water, which are necessary for formation of a hurricane. And again, the movie is at least self-aware of this, right? Like, it pitches all of these things that are happening as very strange and very weird and, and, and crazy. But, it, like, there's a couple times where when a hurricane forms over Scotland and it downs two helicopters because it drops the temperature in the eye of the hurricane to what... What was we, it? Negative 150 We have to talk about that in a minute. Oh, we, we will. We, yes. Yeah. It, it, they say, oh my God, a hurricane's forming over Scotland. It's forming over land. It's forming over Canada. This is ridiculous. I don't understand why this is happening. But the linchpin that they put it in, which is the change to the North Atlantic current because of this iceberg falling into the ocean, is not accurate. Yeah. Right. So it's because it's fine for a movie. Like, again, it works for the movie. Like, it's fine for a movie to say, these events are strange. But you also have to remember it's not scientifically accurate that nope. any of them are happening for any reason. Nope. There, there's a lot of movies that try and give a like vague introduction why something's happening and sure. then leave the rest up to you. This is just like, we don't know what's going on. There's a hurricane here. That's it. Like, yeah. There's no, I mean, that's, I guess that's pretty vague, but I mean. <laughs> and, it, and again, it works for the movie, but you know, we're, yeah. we're here to tear it to shreds. Does it? Does yeah. it? No, yeah. It I mean, it's, it's entertaining, but they don't, they don't really even, they barely even try to explain the, the parts about the change in ocean currents from the, from the, the ice sheets melting. And I actually wanted to talk about that because he brings up some, uh, fancy science words that I didn't understand. Fancy science, fancy science words. Fancy science words. Yeah, like what? What kind of words? Well, at one point he said he implies that the Rhode Island-sized chunk of ice that falls into the ocean, uh, it causes the ocean to reach a critical desalinization point, mm. implying that the giant iceberg falling into the ocean and then melting uh, overall changes the salinity or salt levels yep. in the ocean, and this is what screws with the North North Atlantic. Well, it's it's important to keep in mind that as these ice sheets are melting. It's it's fresh water, right? Right. So it's that's that's true. I mean, that's going to have a pretty dramatic effect on the what what the word you said the the salinity, the, the salinity. salinity of the ocean. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. So would it would it cause? I granted we've already established that the things that happen in right. this movie are overly dramatic, but would it cause a highly noticeable or immediately noticeable change to the weather? I guess especially in North America. Right. I, I'm not an expert on this particular aspect of what you're talking sure. about, so this is my own speculation here. That's it. Uh, but I'm going to say if you change this, uh, the salinity of the water in the ocean, you're going to change the, the rates at which it evaporates. And um, based upon that, you could have changes in weather. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, for example, the, uh, the temperatures of the ocean itself are what contribute to and strengthen hurricanes. So therefore, if you have, if you have, if you have altered chemistry of the ocean water, it's sure. it's probably has a good chance to affect the weather. Um, but I couldn't speculate on what those changes might be. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Like, and, and now again, we wouldn't have. Uh, it, at least it makes sense as speculation. We wouldn't have a, you know dramatic effects like we see here. But right. you're right. Like the less salt there is in the water, you're raising the freezing temperature and things like that. So the temperature is going to fluctuate. Yeah. Yeah. I think the immediacy is just like not there. But yeah, absolutely. You could, you could expect change because also, yes. I mean. If a size of Rhode Island iceberg breaks off, it doesn't melt in like five seconds. Like it's still a It'll giant sit there. block of ice. Yeah, it's an iceberg. Like the exter yes. like the surface area melts to at a certain rate, but yeah. like it's got a huge volume. Like yes. the inside doesn't just start melting. It's That's, not like a thing that happens. So. Honestly, like and science aside, that was one of the problems I had with this movie was the fact that they don't give any sense of time and they could have left it intentionally vague, which is fine but it really bothered me that there was no time scale because especially with a lot of disaster movies, you get like a, you know, 72 hours in or something yes. like that, popping up in beeping letters on the side of the screen that tells you like how long things are taking Right. but although it's not required for the movie, it made it have a weird pace a weird Michael Pace. Oh my god. <laughs> a weird pace because at one moment Dennis Quaid and his crew are sitting on the iceberg, it falls off, and then the next moment it's melted. And it it was just the weirdest thing to watch, like I guess as a movie. Yeah. So. They they should have like when Dennis Quaid finally uh, spoil well, not a spoiler, but I'm jumping ahead, <laughs> Dennis Quaid 
rescues uh, his son, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And it would have been great if when he walks in the library, Jake Gyllenhaal just has a huge beard on. It's like a big, <laughs> fake beard. Like, yes, finally. And there's yeah. just like... Which would have been more accurate based upon the changes that we see in the movie with the climate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just an old man and Dennis Quaid comes in with, with children. Like a, a yeah. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So... I mean, I think that's... <laughs> they've been living on eating books from the library. <laughs> <laughs> it's... I was going to say, we should... It, with that, we should get back into the pace of the movie so that we can pick up and follow along. I'm not going to make the joke again, Sean, I promise. Well, that's the thing, though. In like speaking about the pace of the of the film, actual changes in climate happen so slow yeah, yeah. that it would have been boring if it was accurate. That's true. It would have been so, a very boring movie. Um, All right. Wait. Oh, oh. I want to say it with these storms, because this is the last real, like, effect that they're seeing, and this is, like, the most crucial thing, because it's sort of the, like, ominous looming death for yes. everybody in the north is that they're, they're these big hurricane structure these hurricane storms but in the eye of these hurricanes and I'm doing quotes and I realize no one me can see say me say mega canes mega canes snow canes that's I good. snow canes so in the eyes of these snow canes what, what they're saying <laughs> what they say in the movie is that the rotational force of this snow cane is pulling in super cold air from the troposphere and yep. it's reaching the surface of the earth like ground level really quickly so fast that it doesn't change in temperature at all and it just cools everything and instantly freezes instantly people freezes to death instantly freezes people to death yep so there's this like weird theme in the movie where if you're caught in the eye of the storm you just see the cold like moving towards you like everything around you is freezing and you run and i guess you get instantly frozen to death it's kind of crazy sure so kenan is is this at all accurate to like what a real hurricane would do so okay we know that air within hurricanes circulates yeah right that's that's easy to see obviously it goes around and around and around, and around but you also get this movement up along the uh, the eye wall where warm air gets pushed down up the eye wall and then out mm -hmm. right up into the upper atmosphere and because of that you get flow of air back down into the eye so there is some air that is pushed downwards into the eye of the hurricane right right the troposphere is the upper area near where commercial airlines fly right so yeah sure there's maybe some air pulled down from the troposphere but there's, it's, they're implying in this movie that the entire atmosphere at which there are freezing temperatures is being pulled down so quickly that it's completely changing the temperature on the ground to, what, negative 150 negative degrees Fahrenheit. Which is insane. Which doesn't make any sense because the, the coldest part of the troposphere, it's an approximate measurement, but I think it's only, what, like minus 60 degrees Celsius? Right. So the coldest it could possibly be on land if the atmosphere was literally transported down to the surface of the earth would be minus 60 degrees celsius people would be cold it would be a cold day yeah well I mean, minus, it could be very cold minus 60 degrees in celsius is oh you cold. said 60 i heard six <laughs> yeah no, 60, 60 60 so it'd be super chilly it is be, what you're saying it, it would be cold yeah. but it also like you would have to shift but the thing is like there's a transfer of energy and heat that's like a physical property of the world are you, you right. are you mean like there's these laws of thermodynamics that yeah you're talking right about? exactly so Which like our movie is ignoring like unless you just took the air from ground level and the air from the troposphere and just switch them in the blink of an eye then bang bang boom i don't even know how that i mean it would still warm up there's like heat from the water sure. there's when air particles bump into each other, they transfer energy to each other. Yes. So if one is cold and one is hot, then the thermo... Like, there, there would certainly be a gradient of temperature from the top of the hurricane to the bottom of the hurricane. Yeah. It wouldn't be that all of a sudden, the bottom of the hurricane at the eye became the same temperature, which, as we established, was already much warmer in real life than it was in the movie, but suddenly be the same temperature as the troposphere. And the cold like probably couldn't chase you. Yes, that is... Okay. <laughs> To get back into the movie, the first time we see this occurring is, I believe, the hurricane that forms over Scotland. Mm -hmm. It takes three helicopters out of the sky. Three of Her Majesty's Royal Air Force fall out of the sky after their gasoline lines freeze, which is where we keep getting this negative 150 degrees Fahrenheit from, because Ian Holm tells us that that's a freezing point of gasoline. So these guys go down. A couple of them manage to survive. We get this super dramatic moment where one of the pilots, like, 
pulls the door open and then takes a breath and then immediately freezes as we see all this ice creep into the helicopter and then kill everybody on the inside. Right. And that's a theme that we see over and over again in the movie. Which is insane. Because that's just not how cold works. Yes. No, it's not. <laughs> just like, yes. That's not how temperature works. No. Granted, so. like, when things become very cold very quickly, you can see frost forming on things. Yeah. But there are scenes in this movie where frost is literally just chasing people. Yeah. Yeah. You see the wind stops. Yep. Which... As you enter the eye as of the enter the eye of the... Snow games. The snow game. Yeah. So... The wind stops, everyone looks at, like, a flag, and they're like, oh, God. And then they have to run inside as all of the buildings start slowly freezing, more so than they already were, because there's already snow and ice everywhere. Yep. So everything's already frozen, but it's just freezing more, I guess. Yeah. Which isn't really a thing either, but I guess there's more water in the air that's coming out. Well, speaking of more water being in the air, I think that... It's super weird the way that they present this storm happening for another reason. And that's that Earth is a closed system, mm-hmm. right? There's no there's no water that enters or leaves Earth except for, you know, maybe what you know, what you what you would take out in a in a, Spa- in, in space a spaceship rain. or yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Space right. Uh-huh. Um Spain. so given that, how is it possible that you have twenty five foot, you know, increases in sea level swells yeah as well as gigantic snowstorms that are covering the planet all of which are made up of water that seemingly came out of nowhere yeah there's this implication that there is just suddenly extra water for storm systems and storm surges just amazingly some point after all these helicopters fall in scotland uh jake gyllenhaal and the quiz bowl crew who are in new york for a quiz bowl uh, they meet up with this, at first, we're to assume, douchey rich kid, uh, and <laughs> yes. go and try and house themselves at his place as a giant wave takes New York, much like the Muppets did Manhattan. Um, <laughs> and as this happens, they all hole up in a library in order yep. to try and escape the flood. This eventually freezes, and that's how people are able to go out and walk around, specifically Dennis Quaid. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So I mean, there's the underlying plot of like Dennis Quaid is trying to get to Jake Gyllenhaal, his son, and Jake Gyllenhaal is trying to keep everybody alive, trying to keep people inside, inside staying warm. Because yeah. if you stay inside, apparently you don't drop down to negative 150 Fahrenheit. Even though if it's negative negative 150 Fahrenheit outside, and you have no power. I mean, like you need a pretty good fire, I guess, yeah. to not be cold. I don't know. It's just insane. The whole thing is crazy. There's a pretty good scene where Jake Gyllenhaal is in the mezzanine of the library and he's on a payphone because even though all their cell phones are dead, nobody has a cell signal, uh, older payphones draw power from the the line itself, which is a pretty great line because those places, the places that actually run these telephone lines definitely wouldn't have been blown over or destroyed or abandoned. Yeah. Right. Um, and he's on the phone with, uh, uh, Dennis Quaid. His I parents. almost said David Spade. He's on the phone with <laughs> Spade. On the phone with David Spade. He's on the phone with Dennis Quaid and Quaid says, Jake, stay inside and burn things to stay warm. Don't go outside. I'm going to go outside and come and get you. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I, I get that it's a plot for the movie. But, well, he, oh my god. <laughs> he's, a, he's a climatologist. He can handle it. He can handle it. And Jake does say that at one point. My dad's a climatologist. <laughs> hey, my dad's a climatologist. I know what I'm talking about. My dad's an invertebrate microscopist. <laughs> my dad's a computer programmer. Pace. My dad's a banker. <laughs> you can bank on Pace's dad. You can bank on my dad. I is this it. just like our pun cast? Like, what is this? Welcome to our pun cast. <laughs> Welcome to our pun cast. Hot cross puns. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, so um, a bunch of stuff happens. Uh, Jake tells the library men and library women you can't leave uh, because you'll die in a storm. A couple of them don't listen to him. After they see people walking out on the frozen ice in front of the library, uh, they all try and get the heck out. A police officer leads them out and out into the snow. We find out later that they die. The important thing is, is that uh, Jake and crew stay inside. Um, they start a fire and try and stay warm. Uh, and this is when the best joke in the entire movie happens. When RJ's character, uh, 
while witnessing two people arguing about which books to burn, because obviously the librarian and the nerdy older gentleman who stays with them says you can't burn books, you can't burn Friedrich Nietzsche. He was the greatest thinker of the 19th century, which was hilarious. Sure, sure. Uh, and RJ goes, uh, oh, there's an entire section on tax law that we can burn. <laughs> that was pretty solid. Yeah. Yes. I thought that was good. Yes, it was. I bet that's a lot of paper in there, too. Yes. Yeah, probably big books. Can we also talk about the climate modeling that, that Dennis Quaid does? Yeah, Dennis Quaid, uh, one of his like major points for him being the lead climatologist on this is that he's developed a climate model that was the formation of the last ice age. Right. Collectively. And then he also points out that like his he basically converts his paleoclimate model to a forecast model yeah. of like yeah. what's going to happen now. Yeah, he has and to it, accelerate it over the course of like yes. hours. As and like to. writes all the code to change it in like a day, mm-hmm. which is Cthulhu-esque in my opinion. I mean, like, he, he might, he probably has postdocs, right? Yeah, no, but I him. still think it's this... It's just him? The guy calls him at like four in the morning and he yeah. sits out of his computer. Oh, and he's, he's like, he's like, like he's he's I mean, this would probably have taken a team of scientists like weeks to do to to make this drastic of a change to a, a, a paleoclimate model. Yep. It would just be so different. It yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like starting from... You would have... I don't know. Do you know but, how many variables you're changing from a paleoclimate model to a modern forecasting model? Like everything. <laughs> yeah. Every, every variable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just thought that was pretty crazy. No, yeah. you're right. And, and the movie... The one thing that the movie gets fairly accurate is the prediction of where... Uh, the I, the freeze will occur, right? Because if you look at previous predicted areas of frozen tundra for the Ice Age, it's basically the top half of North America, right? It's frozen. And so you get this great dramatic scene where after he's telling everybody this and he's giving them prediction where he's in front of the president, the vice president, uh, a standard military general who yeah. is like, in battle, you have to make important, dec- difficult decisions <laughs> when Dennis Quaid tells them that everyone above this line is already dead. And he basically yeah. just draws a line through New England. Yeah, he yeah. says, like, we can't send troops up. They'll, they'll, they'll make die it in, in the time. snow. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're evacuating, which is actually, okay, they don't really, every time, dude, <laughs> they don't really go into this, but, like, under the line, right, they start evacuating, like, the south, kind of, the Midwest and the southeast, presumably. Yeah. And, like, that's the rest of the country, besides, like, Florida. They are evacuating to Mexico, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. in like another day, most people are in Mexico. Oh yeah, they they evacuate to Mexico Ow. in in like 24 hours. Yeah, or at least that's what we're led to believe from the movie. I mean, at least the vice president got there. The president doesn't make it. Uh his, Apparently not. Yeah, his motorcade got caught in the storm. Yep, and then the vice president becomes president. And you get this teaching moment where the uh vice president uh, it's like, I'm so sorry, I was wrong. We have to band together in order to survive this storm. Yeah, and he yep. thanks Mexico. Yeah, and he thanks Mexico, which in light of recent events is hilarious. And a third yeah. world country. Yep. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yep. That is... There's a pretty good scene where uh, timely. <laughs> all the Americans who are trying to get into Mexico uh, break down the fence and run across, uh, run across that old river to get to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we were watching that, and we were like, hmm... Huh. huh. That old Rio Grande. Really yep. makes you think. Really? Real thinker. Really makes you think. Real thinker. Yeah. Yeah, about life and stuff. Yeah, what if there was a wall there? It probably would have been harder for Americans to go to Mexico. Sweet <laughs> True, but let's not get into that. Get out that sure. climbing gear. Sure. <laughs> so either way, uh, there are a couple of other subplots that eventually get resolved. Uh, Jake and crew have to go get... Uh, penicillin off of a Russian oil tanker that is parked in front of the public library because uh, the oceans have risen uh, risen 25 feet. And then frozen over. And then frozen over immediately. (laughs) uh, Enough for to walk on and all that good stuff. Uh, Earlier we find out that a zoo had opened up and a bunch of wolves got out. I believe the names were Luis, Buttercup, and Honeysuckle. Honeysuckle. Uh, They got out and tried to kill um, Jake and his buddies. Uh, they get the penicillin in order to treat uh, Emmy, who cut her leg on a taxi earlier and is now dying from septicemia. Uh, and all of this happens as the freeze is coming in. Jake and crew run inside. They start throwing books on the fire, and they eventually save her. More books! Quick, more books! <laughs> They're fine. 
Close the door! <laughs> like the cold no. is coming in. <laughs> Hold the door! <laughs> Hold the door! Hold the door! Come on. Too it's, soon. Too soon. Either way, uh, they're like fine. <laughs> we cut back to uh, cut back to Dennis Quaid, David Spade. Uh, they're hiking through New York. They somehow managed to go from Washington, D.C. to New York in enough time to not starve to death while walking in a blizzard. Uh, they also, I guess, take a giant arcing turn because they walk through the New York Harbor in order to get there. Uh, one of their friends dies. Uh, Dennis Quaid and his buddy who passed out from being cold fall into a Denny's and escape the cold by turning on all the gas lamps, which was pretty great. Yeah, I, there's a lot of scenes of people running from the cold, which is... Yeah, so it ends sort of the Ice Age is set in on America, yep. but the, like, constant cooling and, like, the snow canes and stuff are done, so it's basically just the top half of North America is now covered in ice. And, and then that brings up a point that is kind of to what Pace was saying earlier, which in the movie they mentioned that uh, after enough of the Earth is covered with snow, it should reflect enough heat back off of the Earth and, to, uh, in essence, halt the effects of global warming, but lowering the global temperature enough to where we've ushered in this new ice age. So, yeah. So Essentially. They, they, sort of, they sort of show this stabilization, mm -hmm. and there's some astronauts in space that are looking down, and they go like, the air never looked so clear. It's never looked so it's clear. It's never looked so clear. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, but they were safe in space, I guess, the whole time. But yeah, so that's kind of the end of the movie. I basically, yeah, live on the equator, big. guys. Um, during an ice age. Yeah, it looked nice in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. How during hurricane season, just go north. And then during the rest of it, just go south. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, we're running pretty long here, so we should probably get into our ratings. During the section of the movie, and we can combine gripes and groans with it if you want. During the section of the movie, we... I think we did enough griping and groans. Yeah, we did complain a <laughs> <Yeah>. lot. <laughs> I want you to rate the science of the movie and then rate the movie itself. And you have to try and be objective with this one because obviously it's a disaster movie. The science is pretty far-fetched, uh, even more so than Junior, for instance. Yes. Pace, why don't you go first? Tell us what you thought of the science. Oh, gosh. So I'm, gonna, I'm doing my best to be, as you say, objective when I'm doing this. So for the science, I've got to give it a one, guys. Yeah. I've got to give it a one. But I, I have some good things to say about the film, but they're not in the science section of my rating. I'm gonna give it a one because um, even even despite the fact that they do play off a known uh, historical climate phenomenon that has happened, they don't really even talk about it and they don't explain it. The the layman watching this would have no idea what's going on in regards to the actual climate changes. Yeah. Um, these things play out in a completely over exaggerated despite entertaining manner and scientifically it's just you know it's it's lacking on all fronts in my opinion i agree with that yeah but in regards to my overall entertainment factor for the film um i'm actually gonna give it a three out of five yeah, that's pretty good um and, the road. and i it's one could say it's high but i love climate science and i love learning about it i love talking about it um, I love arguing with people about it. So it just kind of like, to me, I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised by a lot of the themes that were present even as long ago as 2004. I know people have been studying climate science and the effects of global warming since like 19, it, since like the 80s, if not sooner. But, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I enjoyed watching kind of the, the history and progression of the views on climate science and how we think, think about it today. It's cool to, to reflect on, in cool. my opinion. So. What about um, you, buddy? Okay, well, so I believe last week... So last week we did Jurassic Park. Yes. And I believe I gave them a like a one out of five or something. one out of five on you that did. And yeah. now I wish I could give this movie about like a negative 500... Maybe <laughs> a negative 150 out of five. Negative 100 degrees Fahrenheit out of five, yeah. Because like Jurassic Park did, does not deserve to be on the same level as this movie because <laughs> as far as science as far is concerned, as, yeah. as far as science is concerned, yeah. so this movie, I mean, I honestly would give them a zero out of five. Like, I, I don't even know they're not on the scale. Like, they just they just were, basically could have just said like, 
been in a universe where they don't know what weather is and they've just been like, oh my god, things are getting really bad. That's basically what 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 happened. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I can it's see that. It's cold outside. Yeah, it's cold outside and Baby. it's getting colder. Oh look, the ocean's coming in. Like, it, it, like, <laughs> come on in, ocean. So I I don't know. I for science, I mean, I, I'm gonna go zero out of five. I know that's unconventional, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'll you've, allow it. You've shoehorned me into this five point scale, which I hate. So I'm going at it with a zero out of five. Okay, so Sean gives it a two out of ten. God sense. damn it. Zero out of five. <laughs> All right. So, so as far as my entertainment from the movie, um, I mean, I'd give it... So every movie we've done so far, I think we've given a five out of five. Or I have, at least. I think so, yeah. Um, I definitely haven't. You, yeah, but, but... You're, the, you're the bad boy. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you hate everything. This, Essentially. I'm going to give, like, a two out of five. As far as entertainment? As far as entertainment, I mean... I wouldn't have watched it if it wasn't for this podcast, yeah, to that's be fair. honest. Like, yeah. it's it's fine. It just didn't really grip me. Like, there was a point in the movie where we were watching it, and I was like, mm, maybe we could just stop here. But Yeah, I think we yeah. actually said that at one point. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just... But, I mean, we finished it, but I just... It didn't really catch me. Like, I didn't really... Yeah. Wasn't invested in what was going on, so... To get the science out of the way real quick, because you guys have basically already said my same feelings on it, like, the one thing that I will say, I'm going to give it a one out of five, because they're... I mean, the science is obviously... Lacking in the film, but again, there's a reason for it. It's because it's a disaster movie. But I will say, the more we watch these movies, I had seen this movie already. I saw this movie in theaters when it came out. Mm. The When I saw this movie originally, I was like, wow, they have done no homework whatsoever for this movie. They just made up some mumbo jumbo about how global warming works and then all made all this stuff happen on a very short time scale, right? So granted, I was pretty young, but at the same time... These are not hard concepts to grasp, at least on the surface level. Now that we've watched it again and we've actually actually discussed it, it's clear they did do some homework. Even things, albeit minutiae, they pick things that have a scientific basis and transform them into a disaster movie, which really is all you can ask from major science fiction. If you're going to make a, a disaster movie about, about climate science, you almost have to go this route. You I have mean... to, yeah. It, it would be a completely different kind of movie to talk about climate it would be inconvenient truth to talk about climate change oh, yeah great right. i hate that movie yeah me too <laughs> uh, to talk about climate change seen it. and not make it uh, to make it on such short a scale yeah i mean i think the only other way you could have done it was if you if you wanted to be entirely accurate yet still as entertaining yeah you would have had to have made a movie in in the future once these yeah, sure. drastic changes had already happened and we had gotten to that point yeah. and you could have you know maybe shown one dramatic isolated crazy weather incident that could have been the tipping probably point. still not as intense but yeah. still entertaining like so. I mean, i'm did, telling you dude it should have been cloud atlas like they did stuff like even in like interstellar right yeah they have like there's climate change and the world is just getting worse and worse to live in like yeah. st stuff like that you can do like a gradual thing and then it's all about people trying to figure out what to do yeah because like you can't really control the climate to that extent like we have currently we have not don't have the technology to reverse the climate like that yeah. so i mean you can definitely do something i on the scale obviously like you have to embellish stuff there's no way you can there's no way to, to get like around this. yeah yeah but it's just i don't know i don't i don't think that the movie was bad because of the lack of science that said <laughs> I am a little bit biased on the entertainment value of this movie because I did see it in theaters. And this movie, especially when I saw it in, like, I guess 2004 when it came out, was so awesome to see in theaters because it's a disaster movie that you're watching on a big screen. So, yeah. like, all the waves are bigger. The three hurricanes of the size of the planet, I guess, are, you know, it's this everything's on a much more massive scale. So it's a lot more entertaining to watch in a theater. If I had rated it at the time, especially being much younger, I would have given this a 4 out of 5. Mm -hmm. That said, watching it now on the small screen in Sean's 150-degree uh, apartment... Well, okay, sorry. You didn't have your big TV. It's a big you TV. Big TV. Uh, in Sean's apartment that's also experiencing global warming, um, <laughs> I would get, probably give this movie about a 2 out of 5 as yeah. far as, as entertainment value goes. But again, like it's an older movie. I also... I honestly just don't really like disaster movies. I don't like that disaster much, movies. So either. I yeah. think that's just part of 
you know. I can I will say that objectively I can definitely see the appeal of this movie after especially after having seen it when it first came out in the movie theater. It was awesome. It was a big blockbuster. People loved it, and I get that yeah. because it's entertaining at least in that regard. I mean, that's why it's got a two out of five, right? Like, I, I think when if I was actually going to go zero out of five entertainment, I would be mad that I spent the time watching the movie. Yes, yeah. and like I'm not mad that I watched this. I'm just like, oh, okay, it was it was a movie, right? Yeah. So cool. So uh, we're again we're running kind of long, so I want to move on to the next section. So we're going to try and have a section uh, of this podcast here. Uh, I don't know if I told you guys about this, but you didn't. I would like to have a section of this podcast where we try and answer some mail from people or questions on Twitter if we ever actually get them. So we can always put them aside. Maybe for the first like six episodes, we'll be answering questions from our wives and moms. Hey, uh, which that's fine. But let me just go to the. Uh, we haven't got any of those yet, so let me go to the real science. At gmail dot that's real science at gmail dot com. Uh, so can you say that's real science at yep, gmail dot R E E L science. Do you not know how to spell science? Gmail. Shut up, man. <laughs> at gmail dot com. At gmail dot com. Let me check our inbox. Uh, looks like I've got a got a letter from Instagram here. Reset your password. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go down. But further, oh, we can answer that. Three emails from Dropbox about connecting my Dropbox to uh, Gmail. Uh, password change on Google and a password change on Twitter. Okay, Wait, there's no questions, Ken? There, we don't have any questions. Well, yeah. you know what might help? What? Why don't we actually post some of the episodes? Yeah, we should post some of the episodes. Yeah, because right now <laughs> we're recording this, we haven't posted any. <laughs> we're actually, uh, this is going to mean absolutely nothing to you guys when you listen to it for about a month from now, but we're going to post some uh, starting on Tuesday. Yeah, we're going to try and actually regularly post at least every other week so we've recorded four episodes so we have like a backlog in case we end up missing a week we are all in grad school so we're gonna try and at least be two episodes ahead the whole time and it's gonna make some of the timing weird for instance now when you're listening to this in october but that said true we're gonna talk about (laughs) and stuff yeah but i mean i think it's spooky people would rather have a regular schedule than have us just like skip random weeks and upload on random days plus nobody's gonna get to this point in the podcast anyway they'll turn it off a long time ago that's true. Oh, God, you're right. We blather too much. Yep. All right, so let's go ahead and tell everybody where we can be found. So we already said that you can send us an email at realsciencecast. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you did that it's wrong. It's realsciencecast at gmail.com. You are ruining <laughs> hey, John, this podcast. did you correct me? No, I was just saying yeah, that. Yeah, you sure did. Yeah, like a parrot. Oh, man. Way to go, guys. Five o'clock Real Science Cast. So we're at realsciencecast at gmail.com. On Instagram, we're also at realsciencecast. And at Twitter, we're on realsciencecast. Uh, if you yell at us on Twitter, we're probably the most likely to respond to it. If you want to find me on Twitter or on battle.net or I guess now iTunes has profiles, I'm on literally everything at lolkennon, K-E-N-N-O-N. Uh, Pace, where, we can, where can we find you? Uh, talk to me on Twitter uh, at Michael C. Pace. Perfect. That where, where can you find me? Sean. Just take like a carrier pigeon yep. and tie a message to its foot and just, yep. it'll know where to go. Throw a bottle in the ocean. It'll know where to go. The North Atlantic Current will bring it down here to you. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to get in contact with me, just tweet at the show or yep. email us and I will see those and Kenan and Pace will do a great job of letting me know if something's directed yeah. at me. Sean's a Luddite, so he doesn't like to talk to me. I don't want it. I just... I don't want to tell people to tweet at me because I just won't get around to reading it. So they'll just be tweeting right, into right. the void, which I guess is what Twitter is. But sure, you know. uh, Sean's currently smashing his computer with a uh, comically large club. Looks <laughs> like bam, bam. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bam. Can, bam, bam. Can we end this with some words of wisdom? Yeah, we can. Hit me. Oh, so no. remember, <laughs> whenever you go to your recycling containers, the one that says paper on it. You put paper in it. Okay. And the commingled ones is glass, aluminum, and plastic. I'm sensing some aggression. So just do it. Just do it. Just just Nike and get that shit done, okay? I don't think that's the Nike. (laughs) Nike, get that shit done. (laughs) Nike, where's the beef? Accurate. Adidas, you done it. Adidas, Adidas, where's Kanye? Because we need to fire that guy. Get it. You're getting Adele. (laughs) Sorry. That's great. She's an awesome singer. Oh, God. Your puns are unreal. (laughs) Do you guys want to know what movie we're watching the next time? Yeah, dude. What what movie are we watching next time? All right, so we're going to cover the science of All Dogs Go to Heaven (laughs) 2. Do do you guys think there'll be a a good film for us to cover? Uh, I think it'll be good. I've seen All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. Sweet Christ. (laughs) So, yeah, it's going to be great. In about two weeks, we're all going to see it again. You mean the actual Christ, right? 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. Except having with the dogs. Oh, wow. My name's Kenan Smith. <laughs> I'm Michael Pace. I'm Sean Crossan. Thanks, everyone. You don't need good science to make a good movie. <laughs> I forgot about your sign off. I forgot about the Tuesday classy. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just really upset because I feel like we have the, a very, very high potential to get Tim Tebow on the podcast. We are in, we That's are not even halfway true. We're in Gainesville. We are in, in the one city that Tim Tebow will regularly so you think that visit. As soon as he sees the name, as soon as he sees the word science in the podcast, he'll probably say no. no. I think we can just tweet out our first episode at him and say hashtag go Gators and he will just show up on our doorstep. Yeah, I mean, what, you think Tim Tebow doesn't like science? I'm sure he likes science. He'll just show up at 2700 and he'll say hey. <laughs> Can you not put my address? Here's the thing, though. No. Fucking podcast. Do you even want that? <laughs>